Welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity, with your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson. On our program, we explore the flip side of every story. And when you open yourself up to both sides, you'll realize that there are life lessons, powerful tools, and so much more. Now, here is Dr. Veerdra Jackson. Hello, and welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. I am Dr. Veerdra Jackson, the CEO and creative behind Living Strong Consulting. And I've had the pleasure of traveling around, speaking often, and connecting with ministries. And most recently, I traveled to Tampa, Florida. And besides beautiful weather, I met some amazing beautiful people at the Crossover Church in Tampa. And this conversation actually came out of how I was impacted by seeing a multi-generational, multi-ethnic, multi-dimensional experience within one ministry that was doing it authentically. And so I asked the um, uh, director of a chosen women's ministry, the wife of the pastor to come on and talk about how did they get to where they are? How do they stay authentic in their message? And being a DEI coach and trainer, how are they doing diversity authentically? And so let me tell you, a little bit about Lucy. Um, Oh, and we just went over it. (laughs) Kalonen. Kalonen. We just went over it. Lucy Kalonen. She is, as I shared, the director of Chosen Women's Ministry at Crossover Church in Tampa. And she's also a certified life and spiritual development coach. She's an author And she holds a BA in psychology and a master's in mental health counseling. Lucy has served as a conference leader, a retreat planner, and administrator. She has held roles of teaching, speaking, leading, and mentoring women. She desires to influence change, infusing truth, and igniting hope in the lives of women. And I've seen not only in women, but in her community, the love, the passion, and just the ability. I felt like I was at home, y'all, and it was just my first time at Crossover. And I said, you know, there's something special about what's happening here. So I want to be able to share with you my conversation and connection. So welcome to the show, Lucy. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for that introduction. And I didn't realize the impact that we have made. So that means a lot to me as well. And to be here, to be able to share my voice and hopefully be a encouragement, inspiration, and add value to the listeners that are out there. 
Oh, you absolutely did. And not only you, because it's one thing for the leadership to be really clear on their vision and what they desire to do. I actually, when we were off, um, off audio, I had shared with you, I'm actually in a space uh, just coming off of a delivering a five hour training to a room full of leaders from across the state of Pennsylvania. And we unpacked what does equity actually look like beyond strategy and how, if we're actually going to do diversity with authenticity and inclusion with integrity, it's going to really require us to look at and keep equity at the heart of what we do. But in order to get to that, we must be willing to create community. Mm -hmm. And there was a quote as I was studying and preparing for our conversation that stood out to me. Um, The quote said, a congregation does not become multicultural through a recipe that says, add diversity and stir. (laughs) And I said, you know what, that spoke to me because I think sometimes people are approaching trying to create diverse, safe spaces and attract a diverse circle of people by just saying, okay, I'll add a little diversity, stir it up, and, and maybe we'll end up with a multicultural church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it, and it just doesn't work. No, it doesn't happen that way. <laughs> but I, I know you have a very rich story. I walked the hall that visually displayed your history as a church. Did you and your husband always set out to actually have a multicultural ministry and church in Tampa? Um, I would probably say yes and no to that um, question. Um, I'd say the no part is that, um, so my husband's originally from Philadelphia. So he's from Philly. I'm originally from New York. We met here in Lakeland, Florida because we were coming to to school here, Southeastern College. So he started off being a youth pastor um, and I was working with teens. So in our minds, our plan was, we're gonna be in youth ministry and we'll do that for several years until God you know, says otherwise. However, our plan was to go back up north. We had no intention of staying here in Florida. Now, Florida is beautiful, palm trees, beaches, right? All that. It's beautiful. However, moving here for school, we realized there wasn't a whole lot of diversity back then. And so my husband and I both grew up in diverse communities. I grew up in Queens, New York. There was diversity. That's all I knew right? And same thing with my husband, that's all he knew. So in our minds, let's go back to what we know, which is diversity. Um, So we didn't intend to stay here. Of course, God had other plans. And so we've been here 26 years now. Um, But we realized once we were here, and once the opportunity um, came up for him to become the lead pastor, which again, that wasn't part of our plan either, um, we decided, okay, if this is where God's going to have us, then we're going to plant our, our roots here. This is where we're going to stay and we're going to make this work. And then at that point, we said, we want diversity. We want a multicultural church because when we visited other churches, you know, we saw 
basically the segregation, right? And I think it was Martin Luther that said it, the 11th hour on, on Sunday, the most segregated hour you know, uh, of the day. And it's like, how is that possible that we know heaven is gonna be diverse? all kinds of people in heaven. So how in the world is it possible that we're living in a world where everyone's segregated? You have your church, you, you, this church, this denomination, it's all segregated. And we, we set out to say, no, we want to be different and we want to welcome, you know, everyone to our church. Um, and we're diverse ourselves. And so I think some of that was organic and some of that was intentional as well. I appreciate how you just shared that it actually was a mixture of both, because I think that, first of all, how you submitted to uh, not, it wasn't your plan, but you recognized as things were unfolding, that there was an opportunity for you to align with what God was calling you to do to create a greater impact. So that first step of, of well, this isn't exactly what we, what we had planned, mm-hmm. but, how it works. <laughs> but we're going to go with what you've asked us to do, God. Right. And then recognizing that a piece of it needs to be strategic and intentional. And I was speaking with the leaders earlier today and because the question is constantly so so how does it happen i mean we open the doors this is what we want um but it's just not quite working out that way and you just mentioned it it's a mixture of of intentionality as well as kind of timing and and pieces of just people um being available and ready so what is what were or are some of your strategies behind actually creating and maintaining a multicultural church? Okay. So first, um, if I, if I may, I want to add, um, because you said it in the beginning, right? When you said that quote, perfect quote, hit it on in the nail, but you know, it, it does take authenticity and integrity as well. It's not just, all right, you know, let's include some diversity here. It's not a recipe. It's not ingredients. So there's a heart behind it also. There's a passion that you have. So I I do believe that it starts with the heart and the vision for it and not just putting ingredients together. Um, But when it comes to strategies that we've used here, because although, right, although for, for some of this, it's been organic, at the same time, we still have to be intentional to maintain what we have. And so with some of the strategies that we've used, um, is starting with our leadership, right? So starting with, with who's who's the, the head of, of the church, the leadership of the church, making sure there's diversity you know, there. Again, it's not so much as, okay, let's get this person, let's get that person, and, and not based on skin color or their background, anything like that. It's still based on their skills and their calling as well. Their calling and their passion has to, to line up with our vision here um, at the church. So there's intentionality when it starts with our our leadership, there's intentionality with um, the things that we do here at the church. So um, a diverse leadership team where we are intentional with who we're hiring, we're intentional with who um, we're leading, we're intentional with the people that we ask to um, speak, we're intentional with how we engage on social media 
um, as well. And then we're intentional with our message, right? These are some of the, the key things that, that we do here with our message, the examples that we use. Um, that we are making sure that everyone can relate to a message. Even though I'm, I'm different, my husband's different, other leadership, we're different, but our message can still um, relate to everyone that's in, in the room. And at the end of the day, it, it boils down to commonality, right? What's happening in our community? Um, what are we dealing with? What can we celebrate together, right? Champa Bay, <laughs> the Bucks won last year. So we find common ground, you know, as well. So that has been some of the strategies that we've used in our intentionality when it comes to making sure that we're maintaining our diversity here at the church and even beyond as well. This is absolutely my heart work in what I love to talk about. The moment you mentioned leadership, you had me sold because so often when an organization is trying to create some either element of change or to institute a vision, there's a lot of focus on the strategy, the things that we're going to do but you began with first talking about integrity and authenticity. And that speaks to the foundation of why you're doing something and then making sure that leadership reflects yes. that heart. Absolutely. It starts internally. It starts yes. with, with the people. Mm -hmm. I knew exactly where you were going when you were saying that. <laughs> And you know what I saw? I don't think you uh, realize um, a moment that also impacted me when I was there. We were on, uh, I think it was a pier, and there was a husband and wife um, who were vendors. Mm -hmm. And I just did an activity with uh, the group of leaders where we identified like me circles and how so often we approach, we talk to, we engage people that we are comfortable with, mm -hmm. sometimes unconsciously because they either match a pattern we're familiar with or we um, have encountered experiences with them that have been pleasing and pleasant. So our brain tells us, okay, I can engage in a conversation with this person. But in that, it was like this microcosm of a moment. She didn't look like him. He didn't look like us. We were in a place just spontaneously. And next thing I know, you're inviting them to church. We're exchanging business cards. I was like, this is what ministry is all about. Mm -hmm. There was nothing about any of us that on the outside looked the same. Right. But you showed up as an authentic leader who was more focused on connecting with people and doing ministry. And you found a, a moment mm -hmm. that may have passed other people by. How is that? How do you develop authenticity 
when you are reaching out and connecting with people who are not necessarily like you mm-hmm. or have had the same experiences you've had. Well, I love how you um, phrase that as developing authenticity, um, because it's something that you can develop um, in your life. And I can honestly say that that's been part of my journey as well. Um, learning to accept who I am for who I am and who God created me to be and not trying to be somebody else. Um, so when it comes to developing authenticity, it came to, to the point where I knew I had to stop making assumptions, basically. Like stop assuming that someone's not going to like you. Stop assuming that this person is mean or evil or stop assuming that you have nothing in common with them. Because the truth is, there's always something that you can find that you have in common. So the, the same people that seem to be completely different than me are the same people that I have something in, in common um, with. And I have this, um, this quick story, but just a couple of days ago, um, my daughter was, um, she had an appointment. I was sitting in the lobby and this um, elderly Caucasian woman um, walked in. Now I was, I had my AirPods on and I was actually listening to your podcast. I had missed it last week. I couldn't catch it live. So I'm listening in. And my first thought was, you know, this is my, my time. This is my time to just kind of, you know, breathe. I can, I get to listen to a podcast. She walks in and she starts asking me some questions and the questions turned into a conversation. So I realized, oh, she's not going to stop talking to me. So AirPods off. Right. But I'm, I'm saying this to say that that was a moment That was a moment right there where I made the choice to listen to this woman, right? And I could have just been like, what do I have in common with this elderly woman? She was 80 years old, okay? Mm. She just moved here um, from New York. So she actually lived in in New York, Brooklyn for 13 years. So we had that in common. But the truth is she's a widow. She has grandchildren. She's in a different season of her life. And I could have just made the assumption that, yeah, there's nothing in common here. But no, as a matter of fact, she was feeling lonely. She misses her friends Um, going. I was making her um, anxious. So I was able to encourage her and I was able to minister to her. And then she thanked me for being kind and listening to her. Right. And so often um, we are so afraid of just coming out of our shell. Right. And, And we are so good at making assumptions when the reality is just just don't. Don't judge a book by its cover. It's a God opportunity. Take it, right? So when it comes to ministering to people, to women, whoever it is that God places in my path, it's not about who I am. It's not about who they are. It's all about the need at that moment and how God can use me to be his hands and his feet at that moment. Um, And there's a quote that says, people don't know how much you care until they know. Um, I mean, people don't know. People don't care how much you know Mm -hmm. until they know how much you, you know, you care with authenticity. It's resolving to be your true self, right? Embracing that the good, the bad, the ugly, right? Every single part, your broken parts and look at them and not just say they're broken and they're ugly, but broken and beautiful at the same time. And so every piece of us just bringing that to God and to every opportunity that he brings to us. And so now for me, it's, it's about being me and also allowing others to be who they are. And I can help meet that need without me trying to change them or them trying to change me um, either. Wow. You just gave a whole 
word. I, I hope people really were able to take that in. And I know that we have listeners from all over the world and from different walks of life. And there are foundational principles, whether you are in ministry or the marketplace that you just laid out as a, as a perfect meal for people to take in and chew on. If you want to be authentic, it starts first with you becoming okay with you. Mm-hmm. And that allows and gives space for other people to show up as their authentic selves. Right. Oh, so powerful. And I tell you, we're already at our first break, but don't miss as soon as we come back, we're going to jump into as specifically the director of chosen women's ministry. Now, if we're honest, we know that authenticity, being vulnerable and showing up and staying true to our uh, messages of who we have been, we are assigned to be are all things that specifically women can uh, wrestle with and it can be challenging to lead them. So those of you who want to better understand how do you lead in spaces? How do you stay authentic? And how do you continue to stay true to the message you have been assigned to deliver? We're going to unpack all of that when we get back from this commercial. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Yes. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. What if the most special part about you was not how you fit in, but how you stood out in a world that has never seen your kind of beauty? What if you could walk confidently in your God-given beauty, identity, and purpose? My name is Sandra Coates. And I am the founder and visionary of a movement called United and True. We want every woman to know that she is being transformed, she has been redeemed, and she is unique. I'm also an author of a newly released book called None Like Her. It is about awakening the beauty and the value that is within every woman. You see, it's time that we rise up through the confusion and the chaos and the comparison and the shame to know that there is nothing more we need to do to access the beauty that is within us. Please visit SandraCoats.com for more information. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with Dr. Veerdra Jackson. To reach the live show today, call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at livingstrongllc.com. Now, back to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. 
Welcome back. And we are talking with pastor, author, speaker, Lucy Colonin. And she has been sharing how important if you actually want to do diversity well, if you're looking for, and, and the power of what she's sharing, it's not just about ministry, but if you're in the marketplace, because I, I know our listeners are diverse, marketplace or ministry, entrepreneur, or just a, a leader within an organization, if it is your desire to do diversity well, to engage multi-generational groups, if you want to create multicultural spaces, she broke it down for us. It first starts with the integrity and authenticity of leadership and being willing to address your assumptions. And Lucy, there is a question from one of our listeners. Cheryl Hurley asks, why is it that some people tend to make assumptions rather than take the time intentionally to get to know people beyond surface relationships? Good question there. Um, I think it, it boils down to our comfort zones. It's so much easier to make an assumption than mm -hmm. it is to put in the hard work of actually trying to get to know somebody um, to go beyond their surface level. So assumptions are so much easier um, for your imagination, it can be fun, right? You can assume certain things about certain people. Um, so I, I do believe that it's a matter of just our comfort zones. It's much easier, um, or it can be awkward as well. There may be some fear attached to that as well. You know, if I approach this person, what will they think of me? What would they say? So there could be a combination of, you know, the comfort zone and also a fear attached to it. I wholeheartedly agree agree if we, and I promise my listeners, I will not talk about the brain over and over again, but you know, every, <laughs> I single, love it though. Episode, yes. every single episode we have to, because it's all tied back to exactly. our neurological pathways. Yes. We as human beings, our brain is constantly looking for a pattern and anything that does not fit our current pattern, our brain actually it becomes afraid of it and out of a safety response, we make an assumption or a judgment to try to keep us safe. And we talked about this earlier today in the training I was doing that sometimes we need to quiet the chatter inside our brain. Yes. And lean in and be brave. Mm. Yes. <laughs> yep. Just so being brave and going out there and just doing it. Yes. Be courageous. And, and the, the impact that your church has had on the community because you have been so brave and so intentional. When we miss those moments, similar to the one you shared just before we went on break mm -hmm. of that moment with the, the elderly woman, she had a need. And that was an assignment. And sometimes if we are more afraid of the moment than we are having the desire to be obedient, we are missing out 
Absolutely. on truly adding value. Yes. Missing out on so many God opportunities, missing out when he says that he gave us, uh, he's giving us life and to live life abundantly. That's part of that as well. To live free and to live in freedom means that I'm not afraid and I'm going to take every opportunity that I can um, and not just be surface level and not just be about me, but meeting the need. And again, going back to God has given us hands and feet. God has given us a brain to use this body. It's the only body that we have right now to use to serve him. And so if, if I'm going to use it, I have to use it well um, and be a good steward of my, my mind, my body, everything, my soul, every aspect of my, my body. Yes. My brain too. <laughs> yes. The brain too. Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. So you are the director of Chosen Women's Ministry at Crossover. And I tell you, I know that there are many women who will, and I have heard them say, you know what? I just don't like hanging out with women. I don't feel safe with them. I don't mm -hmm. like them. There are all kinds of of statements that are made mostly because of past experiences that they are now passing judgment and assuming will be the new story. Mm -hmm. And so it keeps them from connecting. So as a leader, how do you continue to develop those authentic connections with women that you are leading as well as coaching? Right. So I, I love it because that's how I started first. I did not like women. I did not like women's ministry. I did not want to be a part of that because I made my assumptions and judgment. And I said, I know what women are like, right? Um, <laughs> but for me, again, going back to feeling a nudge from God, right? My comfort zone and what I went to school for was to work with um, teen girls, at-risk teen girls. That was my love. That was my passion. Yet, um, when my husband became the lead pastor, I was feeling this nudge of women's ministry. Now, I had never done women's ministry. I had no intentions of doing women's ministry. Like I said, I really did not like women's ministry, but this is what it took. There was a lady at our church, and she kept inviting me to um, Zumba, to a Zumba um, class. She kept inviting me and I kept saying no, because I don't want anything to do with, with the women, right? So I was like, no, thank you. No, thank you. And I think after finally her being persistent, I went and I had such an amazing time, just Zumba, in community, in fellowship. We laughed, we sweated, you know, like we almost, you know, passed out, but we had such an amazing time. And it took that that one lady being persistent, but she showed me a different side that women are beautiful. We may not be perfect, but God created us so beautifully. And so with that, um, and that it, you know, it's a long story, but my journey has been accepting who I am and then accepting challenges, right? Because I, you know, as much as I was afraid to step into women's ministry. It was also a challenge for me. And I accepted the challenge and I told the Lord, I'm not doing this on my own. You got to bring me a group of people. And, you know, and, and he did. But part of it was coming to terms and truly believing when scripture says that he created me in, in my inward parts, right? He knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. 
to really accept that and believe that. So that, you know, that was one, one thing there. Then resolving to be authentic meant that I'm showing and I'm telling the ladies that there's good parts to me and then there's not such, you know, good parts. That meant that I had to be vulnerable with them. That meant that I had to be honest when I'm speaking, um, that it's not always from a place of victory. It's also sometimes a place that if I'm honest, I'm struggling with this too. So together, right, we can encourage one another and help each other out. And I had to make sure that pride, you know, didn't get in the way, right? Mm -hmm. um, even my own personality, like I know who I am, now, especially now, um, but not letting my personality get in the way of what God was trying to um, teach me. So me being authentic and being vulnerable with the ladies then created a space for them to practice and develop their own authenticity, their own vulnerability, vulnerability as well. Um, I, my, for me, it was creating a no judgment zone, right? For me, it was breaking down those barriers. So the same thoughts that I had about women and the assumptions and that we're judgmental and we're critical and that all we do is get together and cry. I was like, nope, that's not, you know, who we are. We're much bigger, you know, than that. But it's about staying in your lane, right? Accepting the lane that God has for you, the journey that God has for you. We can cheer each other on. We can be there, you know, for each other. And, and when it comes to my, my coaching, a lot of that really has to do with you have to be transparent and you have to be honest with me. Otherwise, if you're not putting in the hard work of the vulnerability, vulnerability then you're not going to experience true transformation. And so um, there's a saying that says, you know, information plus application is what equals the transformation. And so for me, that's been kind of like what I use with my coaching. And then with, with the ladies at, at Chosen, my church here, empowered women empower women. So if you've been empowered, then it's your job and responsibility to empower other women. If it wasn't for the women in my life, who empowered me, who inspired me, who encouraged me, I get to do the same thing right now. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here today. And so for me, it's a matter of, I have an obligation to the younger generation. I have a, uh, an obligation to other women who aren't here yet. Let me be there to, to help them just like somebody else um, helped me. So it comes from a place of, right, I'm not perfect, but take me as I am. Take me as I am. Yes. And you said the, the key word pride I, that as soon as you said that word, I think about leaders marketplace and ministry. And I want to make sure that people who are listening and recognize this, this is a transferable conversation right. yes. as leaders. We, um, sometimes are so afraid to be vulnerable out of pride that we don't give license to our teams to recognize that they don't have to be perfect. They don't have to have all of the answers. They don't have to have done all of this right in order to stay connected with the group, to continue to serve, to do their job. But when leaders are allowing there, there to be, you know what, I'm learning this at the same time. We're mm -hmm. in this together. It's yes. so freeing. Yes. Ah, mm -hmm. uh, as we have shared in in preparation for this conversation, we talked about the the uh, theme that we have for the month of May with the girlfriend gathering, 
-hmm. And it really is around managing your message. And I, another thing that just struck me as I was there in Tampa is the very unique message approach you have to ministry um, and how you have built a consistency and clarity around what your message is. So I'm curious, how do you actually communicate your message and still reach beyond your own demographics and cross over lines into other demographics and bring people in? So I think it goes, goes back to your message is your story, right? Um, how you build your story depends on your audience too. So you have to know your audience. You have to know who's going to be there. So for example, this past Sunday, I had the opportunity to bring the word at my church. Um, so it wasn't just a message for women. It was a message for men and women. And we may have some, some teens in the room as well. And so when I am working on a specific message, it's knowing who your audience is, knowing who's going to be there, and then finding common ground. Again, going back to commonality, just finding that common um, ground. Um, when I'm preparing a message, a devotional for you know, the women at the church, I can be a little bit more specific to just um, women. But I use um, personal stories. I use personal experience. Um, I share my journey, whether it's a past experience or a present one, or I may share my dreams with hopes of, you know, they can be a part of the prayer um, walk with me. They can be a part of the, the process when it comes to praying for something that I'm believing, whether it's for our ministry, our church, our community, or even for me um, personally. Um, so it's also making sure that I'm sharing who I am, what God is speaking to me in that moment. Um, and what he's sharing with me. So part of my message really is me and, and the word that God has given to me, them being sensitive to my audience, who is, who is around, who's, you know, who's, who's there, who's not there. Um, and honestly, like I, I always pray, like I always pray for God to give me um, the right words when it comes to demographics. Um, again, yes, we do have a, a diverse crowd um, and even, even diversity within women, because I can have someone who's in her 70s or 80s, and I can have someone who's um, 19 or early um, 20s. I've so I have to be, I have to be sensitive, right? You, you got to experience that. So I have to be sensitive to that when I'm preparing a message, when I'm telling a story that I can wrap it up in a way where everyone can relate to it and not just one category or one, you know, people group, but everyone can relate to it. So I think it takes discernment. I think it takes, you know, just being intentional about being aware of your surroundings, your environment, who's, you know, who's there, who's in your audience. Um, and, and I believe, again, going back to authenticity, when you are authentic in your approach, that's what um, creates influence in your life. They will listen to you and they will follow you because what they're hearing is authentic in, in nature. I think real recognizes real. So if I get up there and I pretend to be someone that I'm not, I guarantee you someone's going to be like, yeah, that, that, I don't think that's her. That don't sound like her, right? She's trying to be somebody, you know, she's not. Real recognizes real. So just go up there and use the voice that God has given to you, but then being intentional about your surroundings, your environment, and who's in your audience. 
Yes. Something came to me as you were just talking, um, thinking about the diverse needs that people are going through right now. And I'd love to get your take on as we are preparing, especially when we are assigned to be salt and light in places that are dark and lack flavor and seasoning, we are on an assignment to, to be that in spaces and infuse and influence those spaces. But we cannot necessarily do that if we have not done our homework on what the real need is. We're not trying to imitate the culture or trying to water down the ministry, but recognizing if I'm if I am preparing a message, if I'm talking to groups of people, I need to know what actually is happening in their lives yes. and do my homework so that what I'm delivering is actually relevant to the need that they have. Would yes. you, what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely um, agree. Um, the way that we do ministry right now, um, mm -hmm. and again, this crosses over into the marketplace, the way that you're running your business is going to be different than five years ago, 10 years ago. It's different than when we started 26 years ago. Why? Because seasons change, trends change, people change, policies change. So yes, you have to be aware. You have to do your homework. Like you said, you have to do your homework and you have to know what season are we in? What's happening right now in my community? What's what are the people struggling with? What's the biggest need that we have right now? So for example, when the um, pandemic hit and we, we shut down um, as a church, the need was, and people weren't working, the need was there's people in our community that need food. And so we partnered with Feeding Tampa Bay and we made sure that once a week we were out there handing out groceries to our people in the community. Why? Because we did our homework and we were paying attention to the greatest need right now is food. Now we not only gave them food, but we also gave them a flyer and we let them know, check us out Sunday, right? At, at crossover. And so you always find ways, different methods. Um, you find different ways to connect with people. And the biggest way to do that is by meeting their need. They will listen to you once you meet um, their need. And I'm not just talking about whatever, you know, need, but of course, being realistic to um, their needs, you have to pay attention to what they're going through. Otherwise, they're not going to pay attention, you know, to you. So being sensitive um, to that, but absolutely doing your homework and, and realizing, okay, what's the biggest need right here that our community has or that our people have? Yes. Being relevant and sensitive and aware. Now you have painted an amazing picture of your journey. And I'm just curious, have you actually um, experienced uh, or struggled with anyone who did, doesn't want to be in a diverse setting? <laughs> it sounds crazy, right? Like, who wouldn't want to be? I'm just, I'm just curious. Was there any pushback along the way? That uh, we I actually yes. don't want to be in a diverse community setting yes. within ministry. Yes, I think it goes back to what we, you know, said earlier with people and their comfort zones. When you're in a diverse environment, um, like we are at Crossover. There are going to be times where you have to sacrifice your preference. 
some of your preferences. There are going to be times where there might be a song, particular song that you may not like that style, right? There may be times where we're doing a fellowship and there's food. You don't like that kind of food, right? So there are going to be times where you have to sacrifice your preference for the greater good. Not everyone is willing to do that, unfortunately. Um, so yes, we've had We've had not, not a whole lot, not a, but there's been a handful of people that have said, no, I, I feel more comfortable in this type of, you know, setting. And so again, we're no, no judgment zone. As, as long as they're getting the word, that's what matters. But again, we believe heaven is going to be colorful. Heaven is going to be beautiful. <laughs> heaven is going to be with, you know, just diverse in so many different ways. Wouldn't you want a taste of that right now? <laughs> mm, yes, I love it. If you were to identify your, your biggest learned lesson, um, what advice would you give someone who is listening now and whether it's in the marketplace or it's in ministry, their desire is to connect with more of a multi-generational group, or they want to create something that is more multicultural or multi-ethnic. What would you say was your biggest life or um, leadership lesson advice that you would give to them? Um, I would say that it would have to be know who you're not. Okay. Just know who you're not. Be okay with that. And then surround yourself with people that you would like to be like. So if I'm not good in a certain area, if I'm lacking in a certain area, instead of feeling intimidated or feeling less than which, you know, of course, that's something again that I had to, to deal with and, and grow through is you surround yourself with the people that maybe will be compatible and that you guys can grow together and help each other out together. So in leadership, as a leader, whether it's in church or outside of church, it's, it's knowing who I'm not so that I can be the best version of myself. I can work on my strengths. I can grow in my strengths. And these areas that I may not be as, as good at, then I can look at other people, see how they do it, learn and grow from them. Um, that's been my biggest thing when it comes to leadership. And of course, you know, sometimes keeping your mouth shut, <laughs> learning not, not when to speak, when, when to not speak, like that was huge too. Like you don't always have to, you don't always have to say something. You can actually be quiet. <laughs> you just went back to the pride thing. You, we don't always have to have a comment. And I, I think that's really powerful. And your first statement of recognizing, um, know what you're not, that just ran through my whole soul. Uh, the, there's an old saying of, you know, lead in your strength and staff for your weaknesses. Yes. A leader who's really effective understands that you're not great at everything. So exactly. instead of trying to be everything to everyone, lead in your strength and staff your weaknesses be okay with, that's not who I am, but that is go. who you are. So mm -hmm. let's get you roped in. <laughs> there you go. Yep. I love it. 
I absolutely love it. So can you tell me, um, and I can't believe how fast time is going. I know. I was just looking at the time. It goes by so fast. (laughs) How would you say diverse communities have actually helped you be more innovative as a ministry? Um, when it comes to innovation, one, that's one of our core values at, at the church. Um, we, we're always trying to be creative. We're always looking around. Um, we are, we're accepting, right? Like, so if we know, okay, put it this way. If there's something that we don't know about, we, we look, we do our homework and then we, okay, what is this about? So for example, the, the metaverse right? When the whole thing came out about, you know, the metaverse is like, what in the world is this? So instead of shying away and saying, I have no idea what this is, I'm not even going to bother with this. No, let me take the time out to investigate, do my homework and research. Oh, wait, I'm finding out that this is where we're trending. This is where we're going, which means then it's important if I'm a leader, right? Whether marketplace or church, if I'm a leader, I'm, I got to pay attention and know we're headed in a different direction. I'm not used to this direction. I'm not comfortable with it. It's time for me to grow. It's time for me to be stretched. So I think part of the innovation and part of the creativity is being willing to be stretched, being willing to be stretched. And if creativity is not one of your things, then you surround yourself with people who are creative. Believe me, they'll teach you. They will teach you a thing or or two. I love how you just brought that up because one of the things that I recognize when I was there are the layers and levels of partnership that you have created within Mm -hmm. your ministry so that you can continue to innovate and continue to address needs. And one of the partnerships that we were able to embark upon after Bianca um, Jackson's episode around the metaverse is uh, so this coming Saturday, every woman who is logged into the girlfriend gathering, you're actually going to go into Woo! Living Strong's metaverse space. We're going to give wow. you a chance to that see is so it exciting. And walk around so that you can begin to recognize that yes, this yes. is a thing. This is where people are going. This is the direction, even ministry. There's youth ministries that are already developing. I was blown away by that. Yes. And so (laughs) girlfriend gathering crew, you're going, you're going to actually be our first guests into the metaverse um, on Saturday. But it, it, it again speaks to making sure that we are relevant so that we can continue to influence in different ways, meeting people where they are Mm -hmm. and not being afraid that we don't know everything, but we can learn it or partner with someone. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, go ahead. So real quick, I just wanted to add this because I think this is important too, is when it comes to authenticity, right? And our growing and our our stretching. Um, Years ago, I went to buy an appliance and there was a sign that said as is, which means that I had to be willing to purchase this appliance with all the bells and whistles, but there might be some blemishes or defects. And I believe that when it comes to authenticity and even creativity, when we're being creative and meeting people is that we are as is, we come as is yet 
we're committed to developing and growing in our authentic authenticity. Um, so I think that's also key. Come as is, let God do the rest when it comes to creativity, meeting with people, being inspired, all that, all that good stuff. Sorry, oh. I had to throw that in there last minute. <laughs> I love it. I love it because I feel like it it's all relevant. And I, I don't want our time to close out without giving you a few minutes to talk about um, what's next? What's on the horizon? What are you doing with your coaching business, which we didn't even scratch the surface to? We could, we need a whole nother episode. I and know. I, I know your chosen women would come right in for it. But so what's on the horizon? What are you most excited about that's um, right out in front of you? So if, if I could be Truly transparent. Yes. A couple of weeks ago, I felt like the Lord told me you're walking through a new threshold. So I really don't know exactly what that means. I just know I'm taking it day by day. Whatever opportunities are coming my, my way, I'm taking it. When it comes to my coaching, my coaching is about listening to what people are saying, um, because I do believe that there's power in the tongue, right? There, there's um, death or life. In, in the tongue. And so I listen to what people are saying, what they're not saying, and trying to change any um, negativity, any um, negative um, self-talk. Um, again, I'm, I'm a, my, my whole theme is um, influencing women, infusing truth, and then igniting change um, in their lives. So that's part of my coaching business with Chosen. I love my Chosen ladies. I always say Thank you for supporting me and putting up with me um, at the same time. This as is package, you know, right here. Um, but the truth is, like, I have ideas. I have dreams. I want to be able to create more content, too. Um, and it's it's waiting for the, for the timing, for God's timing. Um, but like I said, it's like knowing that there's something new happening. Um, and I'm just, I'm here, I'm here for it, you know, whatever God has for me. So I'm excited. Um, and I thank you so much, Dr. Virja, for this opportunity and for allowing me to be here on your show today. It has been amazing. And I feel like you have given nuggets for both the marketplace and ministry. And before we go, how can people follow you? How can they check, oh. uh, follow the church? watch what the church is doing, you're online, all of that. Let's get some social media handles out there. Yeah, so um, absolutely. Crossover 813 is on Facebook. That's my church, home church, Crossover Church. As a matter of fact, on Wednesday nights, we're actually doing a Bible study right now, a series on diversity. So if anybody wants to jump in Wednesday nights at 7 p.m., um, I you can find me at Lucy K 813 So we got Crossover 813, and then I'm Lucy K 813 and I have a website, Lucy K dot me, Lucy me. Wonderful. Wow. I know that people will be able to replay this. Yes, and absolutely. absolutely. Continue to hear something different every single time. So our flip side community, thank you always for listening in and we will continue to finish our theme on how to manage your message and manage it well and authentically. Thank you, Lucy, again. Thank and you so much. Yes. Stay connected. Same place, same time next week. We'll see you on the flip side. Thank you for tuning in to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. 
Please join your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson, for another edition of our show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.